Welcome to the Wealth Collective Podcast, where the goal is to make finance fun and accessible to everyday Australians, sharing tips and tricks on how people can improve their financial position and have a laugh along the way. Hello and welcome to the 26th episode of the Wealth Collective Podcast. It's Friday the 24th of May. I'm Pete Pennicott. I'm Zach Masters. And, well, we're sort of still recovering after quite a state of shock, almost, (laughs) from the election last week. So we have uh, been preparing to do a little bit of a a deep dive on the... all the changes that were coming, but um, it seems like it's business as usual for the next few years. So uh, I think um, no one was more surprised than the betting agencies. So I think yeah, sports bet paid out early and um, got it wrong. So they're saying usually the the old um, analytics usually don't get it wrong in this in the betting agencies, but they have now on Trump, and they've got it wrong again um, with our our election too. Yeah, so a oh, bit of a good mar- good for marketing anyway. So marketing departments across the board will be pretty happy with that. Um, so yeah, it was a, a little bit of a quieter week on the news front as well. So even our technical um, sessions and strategy updates were cut a bit short because not a hell of a lot's changing. That's what they were saying. They had to quickly go and redo their slide decks so that had already had the labor one prepared and ready to go. Um, yeah, so. Uh, a pretty decent change, but obviously the market responded pretty positively yeah. um, this week. So in lieu of doing a deep dive on possible changes and all, all those sort of things, we're, we'll talk about a, a underappreciated strategy, which and we've sort of covered on it in little bits and pieces previously, is talking about investment bonds as a, a structure to invest in. Yeah, so we've spoken to them a bit about um, in previous episodes about investing for children and how they can be used that way, and we'll touch on that a bit again today, but we might go through some other uses um, that they can be used for if you wanted to run us through a couple of those. Yeah, and I think the big thing is they're really, really great from a, as a tax-effective structure for the right people. So, you know, as with any strategy, it's not for everyone. Um, but what we'll cover off on today at a high level is sort of how they can complement or be an alternative to superannuation. Uh, also, in terms of, yeah, as an, an investment within an actual a trust as well um, to reduce the amount of income you have to distribute, um, I think the other, <clears throat> the one we've touched on at several points before is actually investing for children mm. to help them sort of meet education needs or even sort of funding property purchases. Uh, and the other sort of big one is you know, intergenerational wealth transfer. So obviously they sit outside the estate, so there's um, some big benefits there as well. So I guess before we jump in, what the hell is an investment bond, Zach? Yeah, so um, investment bond is almost like a life insurance policy and investment mixed. Yeah, well, technically um, it is a life in insurance a way. policy. Yeah. yeah, so the different things about investment bonds um, compared to holding an investment outside is that it's taxed um, inside of the company tax rate at 30% at the moment, but it's also linked to the company tax rate. So if we see those um, tax rates drop, which is looking likely, um Scomo has his way, so that's it. Um, then it, it'll be linked to them as well, so that could potentially drop as well. Um, tax-free after ten years, if you adhere to the the rules. So they've got the rules of the one hundred twenty-five percent rule, which means you can only put put in on deposit one hundred twenty-five percent of what you did in the previous year. So you got to be really, really careful not to miss a year. So don't go travelling for twelve months and forget to do your direct debit. So yeah. So those are some of the benefits. Is there any that I've missed that you wanted to speak about? Uh, good for creditor protection as well. So you know, um, you know, can sort of sit outside that from a bankruptcy perspective. Um, I think the the ability to sort of retain everything within the the fund as well. You know, no distributions coming out, which we'll talk about later in terms of how that interplays with trust as well, is quite advantageous. So, and I think 
the other big one is really they're just simple. So you don't have to lodge a tax return. Uh, it's all sort of um, paid internally. So from an administrative perspective, it's a really nice, simple one for um, people to use. Yeah, so we've talked a bit about the tax um, advantage there. And obviously, uh, depending on what your marginal tax rate is, there are potentially some some big savings there, especially if you're, you are on the highest marginal tax rate yeah. um, as well. So the main, so one of the ones we said we'd talk about today um, is utilising it as a kind of complementary investment to, to your super. Um, so you do, want, do you want to run through the main differences between super and investment bond, Pete, and how they can kind of complement each uh, other? Yeah, I think the how they sort of work together is like superannuation, we've now got caps in place where we didn't before. Um, so, you know, for if you are, you know, in your 60s and sort of meeting preservation age, you know, superannuation is very well the best um, structure because, you know, you can have a 0% tax environment, but we are limited to only $1.6 million um, balance transfer cap for individuals. So, that one can be a little bit frustrating. I guess what the benefit of a, um, a trust over that is, you know, you only have to wait 10 years for it to be tax-free. So for younger investors, so those people starting out and sort of accumulating wealth and on high marginal tax rates, mm. yeah, and you want to be on a, a marginal tax rate higher than 30% um, to make this beneficial, um, is actually, you know, you can have access to it. It's, it's simple. It's still tax concessionally compared to your marginal tax rate. Um, but it is pretty flexible as well. So if you do really, really need access to it, you can obviously withdraw it early and just sort of get a tax offset for the tax that's already been paid. Um, yeah, that's the, the main one. I think, you know, there's no tax payable on death, whereas in superannuation, if it is taxable component, yep. you will pay sort of um, you know, up to 17% tax on that um, balance as well. Um, in terms of flexibility about who you can nominate as a beneficiary, you've got full flexibility, whereas superannuation, you're governed by the CIS Act of yep. who's a superannuation dependent. So they're probably the big ones. Um, I think the the real appeal as a, I guess, an alternative, why I'd use it as an alternative is liquidity and access. It's far, far more flexible than what superannuation is. But, you know, it's, it's horses for courses. So super for the right person is a, is a, a really, really good structure and possibly the better structure. Mm. Um, but, yeah, for those sort of younger people need more flexibility, um, not meeting preservation um, rules, I think sort of investment bonds are de definitely worth um, a look. Especially for those younger people who are looking to retire before they'll be able to access access their super. So almost like a bridging yeah. investment. So yeah. a lot of people are investing outside of super because they know, you know, I want to retire at 55 or 50. Yeah, or well, I like think it's, it's definitely a strategy we're seeing on the rise for accumulators. So people who have uncertainty and just sort of lost a bit of faith in the superannuation system because the goalposts keep getting changed and, worried about, hey, okay, my preservation age is 60. Is it going to be 65? Is it going to be 70? Is it going to be even older? Um, so whereas this we go, there hasn't been a lot of change for sort of uh, the last you know, 10 years plus within these strategies, whereas Super's had a lot of changes because um, it's such a big asset pool. Yeah, for sure. So, Pete, can you run us through utilising um, these investment bonds within a trust? Yeah, so obviously the benefit of why you do this is, you know, trust obviously um, – have to distribute the income. So by having an investment bond within the trust, they don't produce any income. So um, it's all just held within the trust. So there's actually nothing to distribute. Uh, also, no tax reporting. So from a simplicity perspective, um, it's all nice and neat within there. So from a you know, tax administrative burden, um, there's no real added compliance or um, yeah, reporting requirements. 
And then, you know, in terms of, you know, having to sort of pump money out to beneficiaries, there's no, you know, it's not sort of forcing the issue with that either. So, um, yeah, and you've still got full flexibility on what you can invest within there. So, yeah, the one downside of investment bonds that I see is, or the obvious one is you don't get as wide an investment universe to pick from. Mm. Yeah, it's generally managed funds and, you know, most of the providers have a more limited menu than what you would have in your traditional uh, investment portfolio. Um, but having said that, you know, you get the, you know, you've got to weigh that up with the, the pros and cons as well. And product providers are starting to get better in, in this way as well by offering a few more um, kind of investments than what we've been used to in yeah. the past. Um, yeah, and the big, uh, the other sort of big one is sort of you don't have to, you know, there's no undistributed income, so there's no sort of penalty tax at the highest marginal tax rate either as well. So for, you know, families with significant amounts of wealth and sort of building uh, assets within a trust structure, it might very well be worth a, a look if they're not needing to distribute that income or not wanting to distribute it to beneficiaries. Cool. So we might move on to the next one, which is probably the most popular one that I've seen um, for a lot of clients. Um, this could possibly be due to the, the barefoot investor spruiking, spruiking them pretty heavily for this, is that using them to set set your children up for life or using them to fund education costs or house deposits and different things like that because obviously they're a bit more flexible than like an Australian scholarships group or something like that, like an education fund where you can, you know, use the money for whatever you want really, um, whether that's, you know, sending your kid to private school or first home deposit or um, uni or if they don't want to go to uni tools and car or things like that. Um, or if you don't, if you sort of don't like them when they sort of get a little bit older, you spend yeah. it on yourself, yeah, on a exactly. holiday, escape, maybe a, another wing to the house or something like that. So what's the best way to use the investment bonds um, in terms of savings for children? Uh, look, I, I think just start early. So I think setting aside sort of for certain goals, so education, helping out with properties, I think it's just getting disciplined. Of A lot of the times you get cash gifts when you know they're starting out. So why not put it in an investment uh, portfolio? Because the, the thing in your favour is you've got a long-term time horizon anyway. So you know, if you're thinking of you know, in the first year, you're going, oh, okay, we might consider private school education. Well, you've got 12 years up your sleeve. So the 10-year mm. time frame actually interplays really, really neatly uh, with that. And like with any investing, it's a lot easier to get started earlier and do it in smaller increments along the way through a regular savings plan than trying to find that money you know suddenly you're looking at especially if you have a you know two kids or more Hmm. you're suddenly potentially looking at 50 grand a year to pull out of the family budget to pay the school fees and you've got to um, try and figure out where that's going to come from um, which can be hard if you haven't planned planned ahead yeah and you can nominate children as beneficiaries as well so if something were to tragically happen um, you can make sure the assets flow through to them Um, but yeah the really nice thing is it's really simple. You don't have to sort of lodge a, you know, a separate tax return on it. It's all taxed internally. So it's nice and neat. Grandparents can get involved. So it's really, really common that we see grandparents sort of setting it up for grandkids. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether it's maybe they don't trust their kids to distribute it to the grandkids. <laughs> or, um, but, yeah, it's, it's nice, neat, and also um, yeah, pretty simple. And you've got flexibility. So you can invest for growth and let that compounding happen over, you know, at, at a minimum, a 10-year period. Cool. So we spoke about um, potentially nominating children as beneficiaries there, and we also spoke about grandparents. Um, so we might get you to talk a bit more, Pete, about using this using investment bonds as an estate planning tool, yeah, um, and how they can kind of complement, you know, getting your wills and all that sorted. Uh, yeah. Well, here it is because. Generally speaking, so it's a non-estate asset. So, um, so similar to super. 
Yeah, a little bit similar. So you can nominate beneficiaries. You've got more flexibility on who you can nominate um, and it'll flow straight through. So there's no tax payable upon death either. So that's another sort of key advantage. So obviously it is you are paying 30% tax or the company tax rate uh, within it. But when it sort of pays out, even if you haven't hit that 10-year milestone, so say if you pass away at year five, still no tax payable to the beneficiary. So um, really, really exciting from that perspective. Um, you can change and sort of transfer the, the value of the asset as well. So if you're thinking of, you know, you want to sort of transfer wealth to the next generation, it's a very, very simple way to do it. Um, and the big sort of, you know, you know, the linchpin of all that is the fact that it's not sitting as part of your estate. So obviously right. your estate open to be contested um, and we've got pretty flexible laws on how that can be contested within Australia. So um, that's, yeah, that's the key part of why it works really well. And, yeah, really important because most people assume that everything they own is part of their estate. Um, but, yeah, super, non-estate asset, um, same thing with investment bonds as well. So um, really good way to um, yeah, provide some certainty for you to know how that your wealth's actually going to pass on to future generations. Awesome. So is there anything else that you think we've missed talking about investment bonds or anything that people should be aware of? Uh, I think, look, yeah, you need to sort of weigh it up. There's a lot of calculators online to, to understand is it the right strategy for you? Because it yeah. might be that, you know, if, if you're on a lower marginal tax rate, this makes no sense at all. So Holding in your um, personal name could potentially be better. Yeah, or and it's not even that clear cut because there might be strategic reasons to actually, okay, I'm going to pay a little bit more tax each year, but I knit, I value the, the certainty of what it's going to give me. You might save tax from an estate planning perspective and all different things like that. Yeah. It's a lot to weigh out. So I think it's not as clear cut as going, am I plus or minus 30%? It's really mm-hmm. having a look at the strategy behind it and what your ultimate, ultimate aim is. Um, but that, that's about it. I think, you know, definitely explore it as, as part of your um, decision. So I think have a look at personal, have a look at discretionary trust, have a look at superannuation and sort of don't forget um, to throw investment bonds into the decision-making process. Awesome. So we might wrap it up there then unless you've got anything else. No, no, add. that's all good. We'll, uh, it's Friday afternoon here, so we'll, uh, we'll make sure we sort of get out <laughs> and enjoy ourselves. And, um, yeah, so hopefully you've got something out of today. We, we love the questions that have been coming in. So you've got any questions please send them through to connect at picada.com.au otherwise hit us up on twitter or any of the socials um, and if you have enjoyed doing what you know hearing from us then you know give us a rating give us a review hopefully five stars because it does get the message out there and help sort of more people find us so and we, yeah we want to make a bigger impact so that'd be great and we'll see you all again next week for the wealth collective podcast cheers the information contained on this podcast is general advice only and hasn't taken into account your personal circumstances. Before acting on any of the content you've heard, you should consult your own financial advisor to consider whether that is appropriate for you. Thanks for tuning into the Wealth Collective podcast. You can get in touch with us and send any questions to connect at picada.com.au or send us a message on Facebook or Twitter. If you have enjoyed this, then please subscribe and five-star us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Until next time, live well and be prosperous.